you're trying to sleep that night, what's one of the worst things to have in your mind? The possibility of a loose mouse in your house. Right? When you're trying to sleep at night and you kind of constantly got in your mind that you know there's a critter running around your house. You're constantly thinking what? Well, is that it? The blanket just moves a little bit and touches against your leg and you think, was that that? So all night you're kind of sleeping with one eye open, kind of not, but it's always there. And so basically out of fear, what do you do? Find the critter. Because it's really hard to sleep. Welcome to our world when the hamster gets loose. Because who wants to go to bed knowing the hamster might crawl in for a late night snuggle? I'm sure that you've lost something at some point in your life. All of us have lost something at one point in our lives. Sometimes we've lost something important. Sometimes we've lost something small. Something small, we say, maybe we'll find it. Something important, we don't turn over anything and everything to find it. When the hamster's lost, you search for it because you're afraid of what's going to happen if you don't find it. This morning, we interact with Jesus in Luke 15, and he's telling us some stories, or he's telling us some parables, trying to focus us in on pursuing something, someone who has been lost. But what we've got to be understanding of Luke 15 this morning, captured by, is that Jesus isn't telling the story of saying, hey, pursue that which is lost because of fear. Actually, what Jesus is doing is he's revealing something through these parables about the heart of God. Because Jesus is being attacked. You see, the religious people are not happy with Jesus. Because Jesus is going from town to town. And as he goes from town to town, the religious people aren't getting all of his time. He's not spending all of his time in the temple or in their homes. But Jesus is now found in the homes of people who are unacceptable in the sight of religious leaders. Labeled sinners in the gospel. And so Jesus is in their homes. And now the religious leaders are grumbling. It says that right at the beginning of Luke 15. They're kind of like, what's he doing over there? And this is ultimately what gets Jesus in a lot of trouble and pushes him into more trouble. Well, Jesus then shifts the focus of the religious leaders and says, hey, you know what? I'm with these people because God has a passion to pursue people who are lost. That's it. Jesus just wants the religious leaders to know, hey, I'm with these people because God has a passion to pursue people who are lost. These two stories that we hear from Jesus this morning, the whole focus is on really one individual. It's the individual who has lost something. This is so important to catch because these stories are really revealing something about God rather than telling us something that we ourselves are to do. The whole focus of the first story is on this shepherd who lost sheep. And when you look at the story of the shepherd losing the sheep, the story just describes really two things. First, it describes this extravagant search. In other words, what happens, it says the shepherd leaves the other 99 out in the open. And to really capture the greatness of this story, the, the craziness of it, you have to understand that the shepherd has 100 sheep. He doesn't have a pen for those 100 sheep. He's on a mountainside. You know, we grow up and we raise cattle, sheep, pigs on farms, and there's nice little pens, right? As you go to bed at night, you don't think twice about it. You're like, the gate's shut. Nothing's going to happen. For them, that's completely different. 
The shepherd is always on duty because there's not a nice little pen. And so when the shepherd leaves 99, catch this, that's a really bad business decision. Really bad business decision. To leave the 99 out in the open and go and try and find one. Any wise shepherd would have said, I'm going to protect the 99 and I'm going to count my losses and let the one go. But Jesus tells this story that would reframe everybody's thinking and get them thinking extravagant, like, whoa, God's like, what? God's like that shepherd who would leave 99 for the sake of one? Because God's economy is not like our economy. Because God knows that the 99 are eternally saved. The one is not. And so Jesus reveals here the heart of a God who wants to pursue people. And catch this, even at the risk of offending other people. Jesus wants to pursue people even at the risk of offending other people. This is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus offended a lot of people. He was willing to be misunderstood of being in these homes where he should not be. He was offending other people. He was risking his reputation. But it was what? All about the people that he was coming for, coming to visit. Because God has a passion to pursue people who are lost. The story of the shepherd's all about an extravagant search. But it's not just about an extravagant search. It's also about an extravagant party. The shepherd finally finds the one sheep, brings him back, and what does he do? He says, hey, come on over for a party. Let's celebrate. Again, this is countercultural. The people listening would have been like, what? We're not going to have a party for one. Why would we have a party for one? You should have never left the 99. It's not how God operates. Even one coming back to God, God says, we're going to have a party. Even if Hete would have been the only one in Mongolia, that would have been reached. The efforts of Among would have been worthwhile. Hete was wrong this morning. I'm sorry to correct you when he was being interviewed. He said that when he accepted Jesus, there was no party or celebration. Jesus makes it clear there is a celebration when one comes to faith in Christ. There were plenty of angels rejoicing that day when Hete came to know Jesus Christ. Because God throws an extravagant party whenever he finds a person because God's in the business of pursuing people. The second story about the woman searching for the coin, it's about the exact same thing. It's all about who? The woman searching for the coin. All about, oh, flipping the lights on, turning things around, looking for it, boom, boom. And then again, what? An extravagant party, calling off his friends, hey, I lost one out of ten coins. Come and celebrate that I found it. It's all about the extravagant search, and it's all about the extravagant party flowing from the heart of the one who searches. These stories, God is simply saying to the religious leaders, you don't understand my actions because you don't understand the heart of God. That the heart of God is to find people who don't know God and connect with them. This is what Jesus came to do. It says it in different ways throughout the whole Gospels. In Luke 19, Jesus says it himself when he says, For I came to seek and to save that which is lost. Well, what does it mean to be lost? 
to be lost simply means not where you're supposed to be, right? And so to be a person who's lost simply means I'm not where I'm supposed to be with God. I'm not in relationship with God. The heart of God is broken, not because moral laws are being broken. That's a, that's a big part of it. That's a reflection, though, of it. God's heart is broken in that people are not in relationship with him. And so, therefore, God is on a rescue mission to rescue people. This morning, we're reminded of that rescue mission in the nation of Mongolia. But God's not just concerned about Mongolians hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. He's concerned about citizens of America. He's concerned about people who live in America who don't know God. The question for you and I this morning is, does our passion align with God's passion? Does our passion align with God's passion? And God's passion is very clear. People. God cares about people. God's passion is to reach out What's your passion this morning? Is your passion other people? People who are alienated from God? People who don't know God or are able to experience the joy and the peace of God? That's the passion of Jesus that he's revealing through these parables this morning. And now we have an opportunity to ask God, God, create that passion in us. Does our passion reflect the passion? of God. This next week, I want to encourage a couple of practical things for you as we reflect upon the passion of God to reach people. Number one is this. First practical thing I want to encourage you to do this next week is this. Saturate yourself in the vision of God. Saturate yourself in the vision of God. First and foremost, don't worry about the practical stuff of reaching people until you have the heart of God. First, some of you need to be captured this morning. You need to have your minds renewed of who God is, that God is not sitting in a corner somewhere going, come on, I want some people to come back. Or God's not sitting there with his back turned like, oh, they just keep doing dumb stuff. No, no, no. Every image used in Scripture to describe God through the person of Jesus Christ is a God who's active and interactive. The vision of God, the passion of God is for people. This morning, I want to encourage you, return to a Bible verse from your childhood or for maybe some of you, a brand new Bible verse, John 3.16. Don't let the simplicity or the 3.16 at sporting events take away the depth and the power of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Just right there. Just, just memorize reflect, think about, say it over and over. Right there's God's vision. What is it? Love the world so he gives. That verse is all about God saying, I love people, so what do I do? I give my best. The very first thing each of us needs to do is we need to resaturate ourselves in the vision of God. It's that we are, ourselves are so overcome with God's vision. Second thing I want to encourage us to think about this morning is this. Does my giving, our giving, reflect the heart of God? Does my giving, does our giving reflect the heart of God? There, let's just put it right on the table, right out in the open, right? If you want to know what somebody's priorities are, you look in two places, calendar and checkbook. 
What does your checkbook say about God's passion for people who are lost? What does King of Glory's checkbook say about God's passion for people who are lost? This gets really difficult because there's a lot of needs in the world. But this is where the church is different. The number one priority is the eternal well-being of humanity. That doesn't mean we don't do good things. We do do good things. We, we bring clean water and we bring food. But where Christianity is different is here. We bring clean water and food at the exact same time we bring the message of Jesus Christ. After we bring clean water and food, this is going to sound really bad, we're not concerned about building Hilton hotels. We're concerned about bringing clean water and food to the next group of people and telling them about Jesus Christ. This is where we get so off whack because we think everybody else needs to have the life that I have. That's simply not the way it's supposed to be. I don't know why God's economy works this way and, and some have, some don't. I, I don't know. It's a mystery. But God's passion is for the well-being of people. So we've got to be serious about evangelism. How about you today? Does your checkbook reflect that you're serious about evangelism? Saturate yourself in the vision of God. Reflect to see if our giving reflects a heart that's after God's heart. Thirdly, pray this next week specifically around evangelism. Let me give you two specific things. Two specific things. And this is different. This next week, we always say this, right? Oh, well, Pastor, you always say pray. Of course I'm praying. I don't want you to pray for the person you're witnessing to. Don't pray for the person you're witnessing to. That might sound weird. I want you to pray for these two things. First, this, pray for laborers to go into the harvest field. Jesus says, the harvest is ready, the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Maybe stop praying for the person you're witnessing to and say, God, send someone to the person that I'm seeking to witness to. Pray for more laborers in Mongolia. Pray for more laborers at First School of X. Pray for more laborers at First National Bank. Pray for more laborers everywhere. Number one. Number two, pray for an open door. This is different than praying specifically for the person. The Apostle Paul always asks for this in his letters. He says, and pray for an open door for us that we might share the word of God boldly. Pray specifically that God would give you an opportunity to share about Jesus Christ. Pray for laborers and pray for an opportunity to share. Saturate yourself in the vision of God. Check your giving to see if it reflects the vision of God. Pray, finally this, and this is the hard one. Open your mouth. Let's say that together. Open your mouth. Now, I'm going to say something because I think this needs to get cleared up. We are not, this is the church that King of Glory is not, is we are not this. We are not, you bring someone to King of Glory so Pastor Rich can tell them about Jesus. That's not our church. That's not our model. That's not my philosophy. There's other churches that have that model and philosophy, and guess what? That's fine. We should encourage them. We should build them up. We should stop speaking badly about them. But say, hey, that's great. That's not our model. This is not you bring them here, and I'm going to tell them about Jesus. This is you and I going and telling others about Jesus Christ. Now, we want you to bring them here, yes, where they're taught and encouraged. But every single one of us has a responsibility to be a witness to 
give testimony to the life and the person of Jesus Christ. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Open your mouth. So what do I say? What do I say? Let me give you two questions maybe to say. These aren't rocket science. and There's bundles of others that are better. First question is this that maybe you could ask someone. Is, hey, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you think Jesus is? That's 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 still an optional question in our culture to ask that question. Second question you can ask is pretty simple is, what are your spiritual beliefs? Help me understand your spiritual beliefs. You don't just walk up to someone and be like, hey, what are your spiritual beliefs? You don't just walk up to someone and say, hey, who do you say Jesus is? Okay, that's, we all know that's not going anywhere. But all of us, if we're passionate about people, do you remember what Luke 15, catch this, don't miss this, Luke 15, 1. It starts because what? Jesus tells these stories, Why? The Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Let me translate that for you. Jesus was in relationship with people. Are you in relationship with people who don't know God? If you're not, guess what? You've got to change something. And it's non-negotiable. You've got to change something. You've got to change something to give that opportunity When you're in relationship, then the opportunity comes up. Hey, what are your spiritual beliefs? It's starting the conversation, opening up and and starting from there. Saturate yourself in the vision of God. Pray for the laborer. What was it? Saturate yourself in the vision of God. Check your giving. Pray for laborers. Open your mouth. Why? This morning... You're going to see those four things as rules until you get to the point where you understand that God loves people. Because God doesn't see people as a project. God doesn't see people as just a decision that needs to be made. God sees people. Do you care for the person? Do you understand the depth of God's love Most of us don't realize or put effort into eternal conversations until it's too late. Just last night, about 11.10, my phone rang. As many of you know, I serve as a chaplain for the police department and the county sheriff's office. And recently, I've stepped back into a different role there where I'm just administrating now. And so I really don't go out on calls anymore, and I don't visit with people directly. So I'm kind of overseeing 14 other people and trying to train them and build them up. Get a phone call from one of our individuals who's who's out on a call. Reports back that he just finished at a suicide. And he was, I didn't see him, I wasn't with him, but he was shaken. He had no clue what to say. And here's the number one reason why. Because the family that gathered as he was talking made it crystal clear that the individual had no knowledge or understanding of Jesus, of of Christianity. Now, I'm not saying that person's eternal well-being of anything like that, 
But this person, this trained ministry person, was shell-shocked. Absolutely shell-shocked. And called and said, I, what do I say to the family? What do I, they want me to come over tomorrow afternoon at 1. What, what do I say? What do we what do we do? I've been in that spot where that individual has been. And sadly, you become a little bit numb to it. You become numb to it. You see it all around. You see it everywhere. You're either numb to it or you're not aware of it. And so you don't think about it. morning, maybe God could reignite our hearts for his passion, his passion for people, because people are hurting, people are literally dying, separated from their creator. In the words of Jesus, they're lost. our heart as a church reflect the heart of God, that God loves people. Thanks be to God that he saved Pepe in Mongolia through a mission organization there. And thanks be to God that God is going to reach more people through Mongolia. And guess what? We should be excited to give and to partner in any way possible. A hundred percent, full speed ahead. At the exact same time, at the exact same time, full speed ahead in Mongolia, full speed ahead in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. One does not negate the other. If I'm full speed ahead with my time building relationship, that doesn't mean I don't have to give to global missions. If I'm giving to global missions, that doesn't mean I, have to, I don't have to open my mouth here in Sioux Falls. That's horrible thinking. It's 100% both because God loves the person in Mongolia, God loves the person on Dakota Avenue. The question is, do I love the person in Mongolia? Do I love the person on Dakota Avenue? God's heart is that he loved them so much that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ. That's the passion of God for people that he's willing to sacrifice his one and only son. May God form that same passion in us, that we could go and tell people about Jesus. Let's pray right now that God would shape and form our hearts to reflect his passion. Gracious God, first want to say thank you that each of us in this room God whether we recognize it or not God each of us in this room was lost or we are lost God thank you for coming to us God thank you for your passion for people that you gave your one and only begotten son God I ask now this morning that you would mold my heart that you would mold the church's heart, that you would mold each individual's heart here this morning, that we would have your passion for people. 
So God, right now, supernaturally, we know you're in the business of miracles, God. And so we ask for a miracle this morning that you would shape our hearts to reflect you back. God, very simply, make us passionate for that which you are passionate about. So God, we ask now for laborers. God, we ask that you would put people in the pathway of our grandchildren, put people in the pathway of our children, Put pathway in the people of our co-workers. We ask for laborers right now in the name of Jesus. God, we also at the exact same time ask for opportunity. God, work another miracle. Give each of us an opportunity to open our mouth this next week. God, we praise you and we thank you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for your grace. Help us now to go and tell others about that amazing grace. We thank you and we ask all of this in Jesus' name.